slowing down to a mile an hour was very, very challenging, especially with a lot of weight on your back. It's one thing to hike as fast as you can with weight on you, but when you're slowed down to a, a child's pace with all the weight, it's extremely mentally and physically fatiguing. And welcome to episode 26 of the Distance Hiker Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew, and it's fantastic to have you on the show today. So I have got some really, really, really cool guests on today. I'm super excited to share this episode with you. I've got Marketa and David Daly, who have walked a significant amount of the Pacific Crest Trail not on their own as a, or as a couple, but with three young kids. Yes, that's right, three young kids. Now, walking a trail like this is, in any case, a triumph and an achievement and worth celebrating. Walking it with three kid, kids is something else. But Marketa and David argue that it shouldn't be. So I'm really curious to get into the nitty gritty as to what it's like to walk a long distance trail where it can get remote and dangerous and, you know, for fully grown adults, it can be uncomfortable, but doing it with kids adds a whole nother level of, of planning and preparation and considerations to it. So we go into that and learn about what they learned as parents and as individuals and what they learned about their kids through this experience of walking the Pacific Crest Trail with three kids. And Marketa and David were so great as guests. They were super open and honest about their story and just willingly shared the highs and lows of long distance hiking as a family. So whether you've got kids or not, I think you'll enjoy this show. I really enjoyed recording it and as a father of two boys whom I want to raise so they can hold on to their natural sense of adventure and curiosity, this just was a conversation I couldn't not have. So hugely grateful for Marketa and David for joining me and without further ado, here is episode 26 of the Distance Hiker podcast. Enjoy. Uh, A good point because you've just finished for now or so i'm I'm gonna start i'm gonna start with that because i just just noticed your post today i've been off instagram the last couple of um days so i'm a bit bit behind i guess but um so you have done what you want to for now or you kind of just finished for the for the kind of foreseeable where are you at for the season right now at least okay nice okay um so was that, is that sort of, uh, let me, let me uh, go back to the beginning then. Right. So I'm going to start, so I'm a bit, bit muddled because I've come in a bit rushed today. I've had a bit of a busy day and usually I've managed to sit down and spend about five minutes composing myself, looking through my notes and go, having an order on my head of what I want to do, but I'm a bit all over the place. So bear with me while I catch up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, thanks for that. I've got, uh, got two kids I've literally just scraped into bed as well. So they're asleep now <laughs> nice. as well. So nice. all good. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know all about that. 
and I want to get to that in a bit. Um, so tell us a bit about both of you. Um, Off the trail, like. So you both both from the both from the states. Whereabouts do you live in the states? Because a lot of my audience is from the UK, a majority of. Um, so I think it'd be really interesting to just kind of learn about a bit about you, where you're from, a bit of your backgrounds, things like that. Just so that, yeah. Uh, well, I'm I'm originally know. from Czech Republic, and yep. David is from from Wrightwood, a little town yep. along the Pacific Crest Trail. Yep. And we're living in California, um, on the coast, um, Monterey Bay. And we've lived here since 2014. Uh, we live with my parents. Yep. And yeah. Well, yeah, she's lived here a lot. Her yeah, uh, her whole life basically. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And then when we Amazing. met, I moved. I moved up here. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. And you've raised your young family in this in California as well. Yeah, 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 we've been yeah, here, yeah. And has hiking and outdoors always been a big part of your lives? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we met building trails with David. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, in 2014. And um, that's where we first started talking about the Pacific Crest Trail because I had yeah. hiked it two years prior in 2012. And Okay. I was just constantly telling him like, we got to do yeah. this hike. And um, yeah. yeah, I just felt like every year we, we kind of uh, yeah. found some reason why it wasn't a good year. And um, yeah. And then, and then, and then we had Sequoia, um, our oldest yeah. who's now five. And that, that was, uh, yeah, definitely a, strange time of you know searching the internet um trying to figure out if other people are doing stuff with their kids and not really and what did you find when you were looking for other people doing the same i i remember finding a, a lot of like maybe like families with teenagers um mm. nothing that i was interested in with like totally little kids um mm. Because I was interested in in backpacking. Yeah, we wanted to do sure. big hikes and stay out yeah. in the wilderness for days on end, um, hiking. So mm. yeah, so either like people aren't people aren't writing about it if they're doing it, or no, no one's really doing it. I, I'm not sure. Um, and now I feel like <clears throat> I'm hearing a lot more about people with mm. kids so young. But um, five years ago, I I. Yeah, I felt like okay, maybe I'm I'm you know doing I'm yeah I have too big a goals. Sure. Um, yeah, what was the general reaction when you before you left and you were kind of saying to people, well, we're going to do the PCT with our you know young children? It was, it was children. so positive. Yeah, yeah. Was it's, it? It was I'm so little, Yeah, I'd say it was a little mixed. At least um, I feel like in general people were stoked, um, hmm. but maybe maybe people had doubts and would concern their or voice their concerns about it. Um, but yeah, it's only natural when people hear such an endeavor, they're like, really, are you sure you want to <laughs> try to do this? Um, like my parents were really skeptical. They were like, yeah. you know, why don't you do a shorter hike? See how that goes. But that's kind of, that's kind of what we did when Sequoia was, 15 months we decided um 
that we were going to hike the Jomer Trail with her and and then also the Tahurim Trail. Both okay. are about 200 miles long. So yep. we did uh, 400 miles that year when she was around 15 months. And, you know, in hindsight, we realized, wow, we could have, you know, we could have done, we could have hiked a lot longer. Um, hmm. And we didn't want that to happen this year. We didn't want to settle for you know, doing 200 miles when, you know, you can just choose, you know, 2,600 and, and just not, sure. you know, not finish. And yeah. yeah. And not only that, it was like, we knew it would be hard for our youngins to mm. get into a two week hike and be actually able to finish. And so we figured yes. the longer the immersion occurred, the easier mm. it would become to get in the flow of walking through okay. nature. Is that because it turns into just their lifestyle, their routine becomes hiking rather than you drop them in for two weeks and then yeah. by the time they got warmed up to it, they're then going home again? Yeah. And I think trying to especially drop into something like the the John Muir Trail for hmm. two weeks or a month with a three year old, you know, the highest in the in the continental US, basically, the highest like parts of the trail, um, that would be I don't know if we would have been able to finish, honestly, um, mm. jumping into that, you know, from living on the coast, going to the high mountains and just trying yeah. to hike in the high Sierras. I don't know if that would Yeah. Is it, is, so excuse my um, lack of knowledge of U.S. trails. Uh, we have a few here that we sort of have a rough idea about. The John Muir Trail, is that then a, just a generally higher altitude trail than the PCT? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that is part of the PCT. Um, okay. So it's a 200 mile section of the PCT, but people hike it alone. And it starts oh, at see. Mount Whitney, which is the highest peak in the continental US, besides mm. what's in, you know, Denali in Alaska. Um, and then it ends in Yosemite, essentially. Okay. okay. Yeah. So it's a pretty, pretty brutal hike to, yeah, to take your uh very young kids on it, um, yeah it's a brutal hike just to hop into and that's yeah. that's what we found on this trip is that it took it took about a week for for me and david to feel like it, it at least for me it took a hmm. week to, yeah, to feel for me too to feel like settled um okay so a week on the trail to feel settled and in the routine and yeah, yeah. The yeah. first week, I, I, I feel like I wanted to go home. Um, really? What what was that? Was that just kids being kids, or? Yeah, it's a, it's a yeah. Mix. There was a lot of crying. They were really confused. You know, my, mm. my parents dropped us off at the Mexican border, and you know, I, I remember them asking like, why, why did they leave us here? Like, they were just confused. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had, you know, spilled dinner. We uh, we thought we could carry uh, enough water to last more miles. So we realized mm. early on that um, within the first couple of days that we were we were needing to carry a lot more water, which was which was like, wow, we're already carrying a lot. Yeah, you know, are we going to be able to do this? And, um, and the the pace was hard. Mm -hmm. Because we're uh, just as two individuals and as a couple, we like to go fast and push ourselves yes. really hard. That's just fun, I guess, to us. Yeah, of course. Yeah. A lot of people. Yeah. And so slowing down to a mile an hour was mm. very, very 
challenging, especially with a lot of weight on your back. It's one thing to hike as sure. fast as you can with weight on you, but when you're slowed down to a, a child's pace mm. with all the weight, it's extremely mentally and physically fatiguing while dealing just, with children's kind of. Oh, yeah. I can imagine. And I just want to just quickly rewind just to give a bit of context. So what were the situation that happened in your lives that opened up the possibility to, to even do this? Um, so kind of, was that, was it a career break for you both or uh, a redundancy? What kind of happened for you to be able to actually have this kind of space of time in order to even make this happen? Uh, I think honestly it was COVID. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because the, just the amount of, um, I, I don't know how else to explain it. The amount of like fear that was injected into society, um, you could just feel it and it was affecting me. It was, and I worked for the California state government. And so the okay. rules were so stringent, so strict, constant intake of information about how bad everything was. Um, and it was really hard. I mean, we lost friends because of like vaccination statuses and like time things and mm. and just all this kind of weird things were happening um and so after like two years of lockdowns and like masking unmasking lockdown unlockdown it was just eventually um it just felt right we were like we yeah. need to get out into nature yeah. with our children and and go go um become strong as a family unit Mm. yeah and luckily mm. david's david's work is incredible they yeah my work is i have a cool schedule and yeah. they actually furloughed me um and so they reduced my pay during covid and i was still working i i didn't stop working once um because mm. of covid and then they instead my the union that i'm under gave me extra vacation hours and okay. so i pay but i earned extra vacation hours mm. every month and so that nice. built very quickly and then hmm. i was actually getting paid the whole time we were out on the pct not full oh, pay, wow. I didn't earn yeah. that much, but i earned enough to to make like quite a bit while i was still yeah. hiking so that was really that's nice. really really helpful as well i mean it's not um long distance hiking and from what i understand hiking the pct isn't the most expensive thing you're going to do with your life albeit you're not getting paid while you're doing it but if you are getting paid then that's a really good situation to be in. That's interesting. I, I, I kind of like asking that question because, um, you know, people who want to do this kind of thing, often money's a barrier and circumstances a barrier. So I always find it quite interesting seeing how my guests make it work, essentially. So thanks for sharing that. Um, so going back to the walk itself. Um, so you're on the trail, you're doing the first week. It's difficult. You're carrying a lot of kit. In terms of the kit itself, how did you sort of plan? Obviously, you've got some prior experience from the walking you've both done before, but how did you even kind of know what to bring? Because as a parent, it's as I, I know, you know, from simply having a child and having a, ha you know, a house full of things that we got for our children when they were born, that half of which they didn't need. Yeah. Um, like, how did you manage that on the trail? How did you kind of pick and choose what and, and kind of work out what you needed? I mean, a lot of the stuff was done on trail. Um, mm. Most of it, I would say, like we started with a two person tent, which is like, you know, nonsense for five people. Mm. Yeah. Um, Did that get upgraded then? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that was like a huge, a huge financial investment. So we didn't, mm. you know, we had a two person tent. We're like, we're going to make it work. Um, mm. And, you know, and the chance that this 
we're not able to hike um, or the kids don't want to or whatever else, then, you yeah, know. Yeah, we didn't we invest a, a bunch of money into new people. Yeah, yes. so that, then there was some guessing. We, you know, I, I assumed that the ideal, uh, like, way to do this would be for the kids to have their own individual sleeping bags, which turned out hmm. to not be the ideal case. We ended okay. up sleeping about uh, 400 miles in to a double quilt and ah, okay. so we had two double quilts and that worked perfectly it's all yeah. it's all the drama with the yep. kids about you know waking up cold or you know being unhappy that they're not able to cuddle with us they mm. really they really like that and, and we yeah i'm sure them. they just so they managed to sleep next to one of you each night Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. and of course, uh, you know, kid clothes was, you know, just uh basically pretty similar to what a through hiker would pack. Um hmm. except maybe I did get them like poofy pants, down pants. Oh yeah. Not not every hiker has, but I I've I've seen hmm. people have those. That was um, a, that was a really good choice because yeah. it was cold a lot in the beginning right yeah yeah, yeah. And, and you know i we can adults can you know i guess deal with it but we didn't we didn't want the kids to be cold for sure yeah of um, course you didn't yeah yeah so so they had a little bit of extra stuff they had like extra town clothes because we knew you know in towns it would be extremely difficult to find their size clothing mm. um and um yeah, shoes. Shoes were a huge surprise. They they went. They needed a new pair of shoes every two hundred miles, which was wow. Really? Yeah, I didn't expect that. Um, That's it's funny. Sequoia Sequoia didn't get her first blister until like mile like I don't even know eight hundred or something. And then That's good going. Yeah, Joshua didn't <laughs> get any blisters. I don't think the entire time. Mm. Which is super crazy. That might be down to weight, to be honest. So there isn't just not enough weight in them in order to yeah. create the conditions yeah. for a blister, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. I mean, the shoes lasting 200 miles as well. I mean, that's that. obviously that adds up because kids' shoes ain't cheap. So, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I'm assuming that's just for the fact that they were running, you know, back and forth to different places. So they probably did more miles than you guys did on a day-to-day basis. I mean, they, I guess. you know, they take probably like three times more steps than we do. So I'm thinking yeah. maybe yeah. that has something to do with it. They also like kick rocks and yeah, mm. you know, like uh, walk in a way that, that totally ruins the shoes. Yeah. Um, so you got in, so you got into a routine and a rhythm of it. Um, routines, I guess the wrong word, isn't it with, with the trail? I don't know, but you got into a rhythm after, after a week, what did it kind of look like at that point? How, how did, how did kind of things shift from tears and difficulty and kids not understanding to sort of getting into the groove of it? I mean, I think it was, it, it was still tears. I mean, it was tears mm. the whole way. Honestly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's the same, it's the same as at home. I mean, mm. you know, they were, you know, four and a half, three, and almost two when we started. And so, you know, you basically have three toddlers. Like, that's, yeah, there's tear, there's tears every day. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily about hiking. It was like, um, oh, I, you know, I really like the stick and I mm. left it at last break. Like, can yeah. we go back to it? And I don't know, just, just these like childish problems. It, it was a little surprising. I thought there would be more like, I want to go home. 
Um, yeah, yeah like my legs hurt and things like that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. fascinating um but yeah it was definitely a rhythm and a routine i mean it's it's the same thing is happening every day um just the scenery is changing and and obviously except for when you need to go into town to hmm. Yeah, that was nice. That would always break up whatever monotony there was. And Mm. we talked a lot about it. I mean, the the people became like the biggest um, um, success of our journey, I feel like, because they they showed us and showed our children how how kind people actually are and how uplifting people are and how Mm. they go together um, for the same... (laughs) when you're doing the same thing, everybody becomes like this, there's just this underlying connection and everybody seems kind of like family. And Mm. uh, it was, yeah, it was quite an experience to let the children see that. And for me also. In in terms of um, your experience with the, the kind of culture of the trail. So, you know, making friends with passersby, um, you know, the trail magic, um trying to dig into my glossary of what i know to be american through hiking words um obviously you're moving if i recall at around kind of six miles an hour which is what's that in kilometers like eight sorry um, six miles a day or so so maybe sort of six to or maybe six to eight kilometers a day because you're measuring kilometers is that about right at the beginning at the beginning um, and then we we got up to ten, and then to twelve, to fourteen, mm. and then one day we did seventeen, and wow. then it dropped back down to fourteen miles, and then it, uh, we averaged yeah. around ten to thirteen for the rest yeah. of the trip. Yeah. But if you then compare that, which is a remarkable, you know, achievement if you think about it, and and really challenges the notion of how far kids can go, um, which I want to get to in a bit. But if as most walkers will tend to sort of walk longer than that each day, um, I'm assuming you sort of met people very briefly as they sort of passed you rather than being in that place where you might sort of walk with people for a few days and then they shoot up, uh, you know, and then you might meet them in the next town. Did you find, did you find it was a bit lonelier an experience in terms of that community because of the pace that you were going at? Yeah. We talked about that a lot, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because we yeah. met so many cool people, and it was um, it was always in, in passing a couple a couple times. People slow down to hike with us for like a mm. mile or so, and then okay. and um, then they keep going. And yeah, that was uh, it's a good lesson in letting go. I guess mm. <laughs> it was hard. Yeah, it was. It could feel lonely at times. But also, also we did we did surprisingly see many people multiple times on the trail Mm -hmm. because we tended to stay a shorter amount of time in towns whereas people a lot of people hike this trail and they you know they hike really fast they get to Mm -hmm. town and they they need more time to recover spend maybe a week a week hanging out um Mm. yeah so so then we'd pass them um unknowingly tortoise in the hair then really yeah 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 Yeah. okay that's interesting (laughs) yeah oh wow okay and how then did the kids hold up to the walk what was their experience of it from what you you could tell as parents 
both good and bad kind of what i guess i'm interested to know like a few things like what kind of how they kind of changed and developed in particular throughout the walk i mean i think they just they just you know that's just what we did that was mm. like yeah this is you know we hike and they they became at peace with it um and, obvi- and obviously physically they became very sturdy I mean, their balance increased and their dexterity, um, their confidence in themselves to do things like climb rocks, trees, go into the water, crossing um, streams. Crossing streams. Yeah. So on that front, that's that kind of just happens to everybody. I feel like when you're when you yeah do things like these. So that was really cool to see. They would go off in the forest alone. They became a little bit more um, more aware of the dangers and would. Um, not go past a certain point there was a few times especially sequoia she disappeared on us and it was scary mm-hmm. because there's water and cliffs and like i'm yeah. running around yelling her name and she thinks it's funny to not answer me and, <laughs> and so that was a little freaky a couple yeah. times but most of the time it was really good yeah um, and I, I also remember at the beginning they they wouldn't like say hi to the other hikers and, mm-hmm. and then, um especially our youngest he's he's pretty shy and by the end, uh, you know, he would be like high-fiving hikers and saying stuff to them. Um, so they got really comfortable out there with like, um, I guess, strangers. Yeah, I don't know. With people, which people. was really cool. Mm. Really mm. cool to see. That's fascinating. Um, so what would then a day a day on the trail with kids look like? Well uh yeah from perspective of me i would wake up first usually uh before the sun or with the sun um and sit there and drink coffee and look out at nature and its awesomeness and or listen to music or podcast and and make coffee for me and marquetta when she would wake up um and then i'd start making breakfast and we would hang out for a little bit um and then the kids would start getting out of the tent. Um, and some morning, I would say more mornings than most, they got up smiling, faces mm-hmm. out of the tent, just gleaming and gleaming with brightness and just happy. And um, and they'd come out and eat breakfast all together. And then usually a problem would occur with spoons or whatever. And <laughs> who gets what okay. spoon, even though they're all the same spoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate it. <laughs> yeah. And so, and then, you know, we pack up, um, let the kids play, um, eat any last snacks they, they wanted um, mm. to do. And then, then we'd start hiking. Yeah, then and, we'd start hiking. And um, yeah, we found out that we are not too motivated to hike in the morning for some reason before noon. Mm. So we'd sometimes do as little as three miles and, okay. um, by lunch. And really weird feeling to do a small amount of miles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it must have been because if you're both really used to kind of you know doing trails, then having to slow down can be challenging for for you, I guess, as well. Yeah, definitely. It's also the the fact that the slower you go, the more food you have to carry. So the heavier yes. our packs went. Uh, right. Yeah, so it was. There's uh, like second and third order effects that happen when you yeah. You slow down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was really interesting. Um, and I wouldn't Sorry. say it was so much we were, we didn't want to hike more in the morning. It just kind of mm-hmm. like 
started to happen that way. Can't really explain how. It was just. I mean, the kids started sleeping in longer. Well, oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, so if you want your kids to sleep in, just take them through hiking. Go hiking with them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you think, because the, obviously, like in, 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 when I've taken mine camping, um, the natural light coming through the tent will wake them up super early. Do you think they were sleeping in just because they were just so worn out? Not not worn out in a bad way, so it's not a negative sentiment there, but, you know, worn out from all the hiking the day before? Or they were just, that was just a natural rhythm that seemed to work for them? I think they, I think they, they really appreciated um, rest out there, hmm. and I think that has a, has a little bit to do with it because they knew that when they would get out of the tent, it would be like, you know pack up and yeah so they like i feel like they they like reveled in in the fact that they can lay there um and also their their bedtime was a lot later yeah it was Mm. essentially with the sun and so the sun was pretty late in the yeah in the summer um when we were further up north um so they were staying up the latest they ever stayed up along with hiking the most they've ever hiked Mm-hmm. And yeah, and they just they started to sleep in sometimes till nine, I think a couple times, which was crazy. wow. Yeah, that's crazy for kids. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> crazy. but yeah, I I I feel like um, I mean, kids are incredible. I I really mm-hmm. don't feel like they were that we overworked them. Um, there was just a couple times maybe that I felt like okay, we did we did quite a bit of miles. Maybe we had to push mm-hmm. because we were running low on water if we were in the desert yeah. or running low on yeah. food so we had to do like an extra mile or two to get to get somewhere or find a, a an ideal campsite mm-hmm. um sometimes we couldn't find a camp spot because they were all taken mm-hmm. there's so many people hiking so we had to like mm-hmm. hike Keep until 8 p.m so that wasn't ideal and you could really yeah that they were like over it um mm-hmm. but in general yeah really incredible all day playing every chance they get you know they were constantly running around which which was pretty cool to see because it just showed that yeah, yeah and they would be they're saying they're tired the whole time while hiking and <laughs> of course and as you stop they're yeah. up into the forest <laughs> yes, playing yeah. and it's just like oh my gosh <laughs> how 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 did you kind of because when you're kid says i'm tired your instinct as a parent is to kind of stop um if you can but obviously you do have to get you, you had to get from a to b how did you manage that as such what kind of tactics did you use to kind of get them keep them going throughout the day Sorry to interrupt the episode as Matthew here just wants to make a quick announcement about the changes coming up in 2023, hopefully, to the Distance Hiker podcast. These changes all depend on you, the community, because I am launching a new series of weekly shows to run alongside the fortnightly shows that you've come to know and love, which is all about stories. I'm looking to get listener stories that I can read out on air, obviously with a bit of editing and scripting before that, um, but I'm looking for raw stories, raw authentic stories from listeners to read out on air. The stories need to be around a thousand words or so in length, 
and must be related to your experience of long distance hiking in some way. They don't need to be stories from the trail, but they do need to be linked to our love of long distance hiking. So I'm thinking stories about misadventure when hiking or how hiking has provided some form of a transformation or awakening experience for you. Perhaps you have a perspective to share on something that's sociological, political, that is again related to long distance hiking, um, or even uh, how you know you found a story that a friend has told and that's really impacted you and you want to share somebody else's story, but how that relates back to you. Um, stories of funny encounters and friendships forged and highs and lows and everything between are welcome and I'm just looking for good stories. So the length is about a thousand words and you can send me a story through the link on the podcast so if you just scroll down you'll see a link to submit a story. Um, I will get back to everybody who sends in a story and I'm really excited to see what comes through and see if I can make this happen. So um, Distance Hiker 2023 Story Podcast. Help me make it happen. Thank you so much for bearing with me with this little break in between the show. I'll let you get back to the episode. I think it evolved through the trip because they would start doing that and mm. we quickly realized that they were, you know, it was one of those things where they're saying it because they want to stop to play to climb a tree yeah they're being very clever which is awesome <laughs> yeah. trying to figure yeah. out the world in that way you know how they get um so you know you kind of find out if it's like a legitimate tired or if it's one of those like clever tired so maybe <laughs> you know we try playing games with them like okay you know mommy and daddy are going to be monsters now and we're going to chase you down the trail and then they'd go running you know and and you're like okay like they were just like i don't know maybe bored or like wanted something different um to keep them entertained and telling stories was a big one yeah, yeah. Okay. At least it was um, a lot of storytelling like just off of the top of the head just pick a be like sequoia what do you want a story about she would say it and then you would just go into telling a story oh, amazing yeah. and you just do whatever you want because they're just intrigued by everything so yeah like, were those stories where you'd sort of tell a story of the landscape around you to kind oh, of bring yeah, it most, to life yeah. mostly yeah nice. that's usually what would happen is you're talking about <laughs> you're bringing in all the elements that you're surrounded by um yeah uh, and sometimes there was common themes like um uh, you know like she would want the little mermaid and so then you would bring in all this stuff about what you still see maybe it's in a lake or whatever or something um just stuff like that um singing songs became another another way yeah or giving them my trekking poles because they were horses and they wanted to ride them <laughs> eating the plants or yeah the plants were being eaten by the you know the horses and you know, just stuff like that but a lot of the time, yeah, it came down. It was very frustrating because it happened so often that it was like I had to really like try to explain to them like we don't have enough food to be stopping every mm. 50 minutes and taking an hour long break. Like we have to make it to a certain point. Yeah. And that was really that's a big concept for a child. So it was. It was yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Because the last thing they want to be the last thing they care about or the last thing that's on their mind is how much food you have. Right. So yeah. I guess to explain that to them must have been quite tricky. Were there any sections then that you kind of were sketchy with the kids and you just thought, we've just got to get through this? Or any points where you just genuinely thought, 
this is a bad idea because this situation isn't ideal or was it generally quite a safe experience throughout the whole time yeah i mean we we you know we set out on this on this hike knowing uh knowing we wouldn't hike all of it in all likelihood um so we were totally okay skipping sections and like Hmm. um or uh maybe like yeah, 600 miles in, there's a, there's a pretty long stretch without water. It's about 30 miles long. And okay. there is a water cache stocked regularly by some trail angel, hmm. but it felt, it felt wrong to rely on that um, with kids sure. because, yeah. it, you know, you, you might get there and there might be water and, but there might not be. So, um, to get and there, then you wouldn't be able to push through the remaining miles, would you, to be able to get to the water source? Yeah, exactly. so we we decided to skip. Yeah, so we walked. Miles. Yeah, we walked the road instead, and then eventually the next day hitchhiked after we were done road walking. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I'll just get a ride in the town. And and it felt really good. It was like, okay, we did the right thing. So. And then, and then, of course, there was concern about about the Sierras, about the John Muir Trail section, which. Um, Luckily, this year was very doable as far as snow, um, hmm. since it is so high in elevation. Um, you really got to make sure that you're going in at the right time. And um, people, you know, two weeks ahead of us, friends down the trail were, you know, writing me on Instagram like, I, hmm. yeah, I don't think you guys should do this with kids. And we decided, like, okay, it's been two weeks. Um, we'll we'll go and we'll start hiking it. And if it doesn't feel right, we'll turn around. And, and we found out it was totally fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just enough snow to make it exciting for the kids. They really loved it. Um, we loved it. Yeah, it's, and, it's, um, and then it must have been magical for them walking through that. Oh, it was. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's after magical. that, it was every day. The question is, is there going to be snow? Where's the snow? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, well, they would go out of, like they would leave the trail if they saw a patch of snow and just yeah. like wander up the mountain to go touch it and stomp on it. Yeah, yeah they loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then and then we skipped a section uh, where mosquitoes got really bad, and so yeah. that was another different kind of issue. It wasn't like a safety issue. It was just so oh annoying. It was so hard. <laughs> that, I was did that- not. The wind just, and you're mosquitoes. covered in mosquitoes and they're just everywhere around you. Yeah, and you can't yeah. sit, you can't eat, you can't oh, okay. do anything. Like they're just we didn't hike fast oh. enough to oh, to be able to like um and then I had the two year old in the backpack and they were just eating mm. his legs. Um, oh. yeah, so he's screaming. As you can imagine, walking through the mountains. Yeah. It's yeah. just like really so so we took hard. a side trail, left the left it um and returned 30 miles uh yeah we skipped north. 30 miles north um yep. to avoid this route yeah. particularly and then got bug spray and and they got better, better yeah yeah amazing <laughs> so you really had to adapt at times in order to kind of come you know complete it as far as you did um and i guess it must have taken quite a bit of willpower to come to terms with the idea that you couldn't do it in, you know, the exact way that you kind of meant to do it, but you just had to do it in a way that worked for your kids. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I would say it was pretty exciting in that way. Yeah. Because then you don't mm. know what's going to happen. You're like, okay, we got to get to this town. And then we got to somehow figure out a way to get a ride. And you just meet all kinds of people. And Yeah. I mean, it was, it was literally fun. It we was would, awesome. you know, we would do 30 miles, get to a town. And then that's where I would look at the next section, you know, and mm. see right. like, and okay, discuss, can, can we, we do, do this? Yeah. And then in that town, we would find out, you know, we can, and then we'd continue hiking. And then in the next town, I would look, I never, I yeah, never, we never planned out like long, long. Ahead. Yeah. 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 There's no point. Um, and there's no yeah. time. And yeah. there's no yeah. time. <laughs> there's, it's just impossible. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, so planning wasn't kind of obviously much of a thing. Like, did you do much planning before you even hit the trail or did you? Did uh, rewind a little bit here, but did, before you even hit the trail, did you kind of just go for it, or did you plan months in advance like a lot of hikers do? Was it three months? Yeah, that's three or four months. Yeah, I. I mean, we had talked about it and then brought it up again, and then we were just like, "Yeah, let's go mm. for it." And it's it's kind of you know I months. since I hiked the trail in 2012, it, 2012, I feel like a lot of my my. Uh, our preparation was done inside my head. Um, because yeah, I, but that's where the best preparation happens, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was, it was so different. You know, the first time I hiked it, uh, there was a lot of planning. There was a lot of sending food. And along, the, along my hike, I found that um, that wasn't necessary. Hmm. And I, you know, after talking to other hikers that year, you know, you find out, oh, not everybody does that. Like that's, you know, that's not necessary. So I knew, mm. I knew that the amount of preparation that <clears throat> is maybe you read about on the internet is not, you know, doesn't mean that you're going to succeed or not succeed. Mm. So we were kind of pretty at ease with um, just driving down there. Yeah, and just yeah. going. And Marquetta is fantastic at planning, and I'm I've never I've always been the whim on the moment and just do <laughs> do go with the wind, so to speak. That's yeah. how I've lived my life, kind of, and so it kind of like opposite <clears throat> in that regard. Not saying that's responsible of me, but I just tend to have trust in the unknown, <clears throat> I guess. And I'm glad that she plans because it helps. <laughs> helps a of lot. course, yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> how did the two questions here the first one is how did the walk help you both grow as parents because par parenting is a constant experience of growth as you go through it but also <clears throat> how did you grow as a couple as well throughout the walk because <clears throat> excuse me sorry what i'd assume um is that although you have this substantial amount of time as a family i'm guessing was it difficult that you didn't have that sort of couple time as such because the kids were just always there or was that something that just felt totally cool because you knew that the the wider experience of doing this just made up for it how how, how did that play out for you both i mean honestly as far as that i feel like it's it's kind of the same at home like we we don't really have some 
time to ourselves like that, you know, if if we want that. Yeah. Yeah. I would say me and Marquetta aren't like most couples. Not saying it's for better or for worse, but we hmm. we don't usually do the whole like one date night a week. Maybe we should, I don't know. Um, you know, <laughs> where we go off together and have dinner together and really talk. Most of our talking is done with the sun waking up or after it sets mm-hmm. once the kids are in bed and yeah. that's kind of yeah. the most time that we have together as a couple and that was the same on the trail and it was the same on yeah. the trail so that in that way it didn't really um really change but i think it i think the trail helped us be able to like learn whenever each other's emotions were rising one of us could mm-hmm. step in and be like okay i'm gonna take take them and go yeah go ahead and you you chill for a little bit and so that happened a lot um helping each other out and it it just felt intuitive we didn't really have to uh speak it out loud it was just like Mm. a thing Um, you could just see it and feel it yeah you could yeah yeah and i i think um i think on the trail uh it's just so blatantly clear out there what is important and what's not so i Mm. think that that kind of um spending five months you know living out of our backpacks with our kids you know you you kind of realize uh some of the some of the mistakes maybe that you're making at home um not you know giving priority to like stuff like cleaning or you know yeah doing these things that that aren't so necessary when you yeah when you when you don't do that for five months and mm. you know suddenly you have all the time to to yeah take care of yourself your kids and all the relationships yeah that's yeah i mean we yeah we want to be involved in our kids life as mm. much as possible and so i mean this this trip has even led us to want to homeschool now because we feel nice yeah. We want to be the ones to help yeah. guide them in the way mm-hmm. that they they individually need and not just put them in a classroom where it's like everybody's kind of treated the same. And, yes. Uh, yeah. Is that a consideration that you had before or just something that you realized during the trip? Yeah. We, we it, talked it always, about it before. Yeah, yeah, it always appealed to us. Um, but I think um, – I feel responsible for it since, you know, David's, Mm. David's at work and I felt, um, that maybe I wasn't, wasn't able to do, to be that role. And, um, yeah, I think on the trail, I just kind of realized like, yeah, I am, (laughs) I I can do that. Yeah, And we, we met another family that's, that's hiking and they have a 10 and 13 year old, two boys. We became really close with them, um, and they homeschool their children um, also. And, yeah, and I had found some really good podcasts, and I showed Marquetta um, some of them, and it just all just feels right for us. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something that, you know, you can try and... and Yeah, we can always be like, okay, this isn't what we want. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really nice. Yeah, I mean, there's a ton of resource out there for homeschooling now anyway. So it's sort of a very accessible thing. And I guess there's more people doing it than ever before because undoubtedly there'll be families whose kids were at home anyway with COVID. And they've probably gone, well, it's gone one of two ways. 
I love homeschooling or I hate homeschooling. <laughs> and I'm guessing those who love homeschooling and continue homeschooling probably did. Um, so I can imagine it's only got got bigger. Um, that's that's really exciting and really kind of happy that you guys have kind of made that decision and been on the trails and able to kind of make the right decision for your family. So what were the kids' experience of the trail like in terms of are they still talking about it now are they still buzzing from it um appreciate your uh youngest is two so probably not yeah regurgitating much of it but yeah he's so fluid with experience it doesn't yeah well just yes just yesterday he was standing at the door um crying and he was saying trail trail it's like really like he wants (laughs) to go back to the trail or like he he, like i I don't know he was (laughs) yeah it was pretty obvious that something about the trail i don't know and it seemed like to me it seemed like he was Hmm. like missing it um but the older ones joshua and sequoia have have both multiple times now said you know we missed the trail yeah really um, yeah. yeah especially when when i show them pictures or videos from mm. the from the trail they're like yeah they're just smiling watching it it's so cute yeah it's, yeah wow. and they, and they oh, put yeah. on their little backpacks here and walk through the yard and they're like come on let's go hike <laughs> yeah oh and wow then, really yeah, so it's really stuck it's really stuck with them then we think so i think yeah. so yeah yeah it's interesting because on the trail they were pretending to be making phone calls and being and, at home <laughs> and then now that we're home they're you they're know the they're like pretending to yeah. be camping out and walking the yeah. trail with their stuffed animals yeah it seems like yeah oh that's 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 incredible and in terms of uh you, you obviously stopped for the time being do you have plans to go back and uh, continue with the route um i mean we uh we don't feel like we have to, but uh, yeah, we I, also feel like I we... think next year would be particularly hard because Stun is going to be not even three. He's going to be two mm-hmm. and a half, too big to carry, too small. It's that sweet spot, isn't it? Walk, yeah. yeah. And so yeah. next year doesn't really seem like a good year to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, and definitely not the really definitely yeah. not the PCT because we found um, part of the reason we stopped hiking was because we found out that you know Washington Washington has such it's such so remote, remote. yeah um, long yeah. stretches without food resupplies um, and at the at the pace that we were going you know we'd have to carry like ten days worth of food which isn't even possible um, the mm. most we yeah. carried was seven and that was really tough uh especially on david because he he had uh, yeah a bunch of food in his backpack and then he had mm. a flat carrier with a bag with food it was wow. um, yeah food yeah. touch the outside of the backpack is nothing else would fit it was it was ridiculous. really yeah <laughs> as this that's that's the bit that strikes me the most i think is obviously like you've got heavy enough bags just the two of you but for you know, two of you plus your three kids, plus, you know, your youngest needed to be obviously carried for sections as well. That must have been quite a big physical strain on you. Did you find you got used to that weight or was it just something that was always just burdensome? Well, 60 pounds started to feel light. Um, mm. <laughs> you got stronger then. <laughs> yeah, I definitely got stronger. Yeah, and as you would. I- 
Yeah, and actually, I was doing some shoulder exercises, and for my whole life, I would always get this really bad pain in my right shoulder blade. Mm. And then I started to just kind of, we were going so slow that I started to kind of adjust my body and let the weights go into different parts of my body and change my posture a little bit. And ever since then, my since like mile 200, that pain completely went away. Um, uh, and mostly I just had a bad pain in my left Achilles and in the top side of my right foot. So it was both mm. in the feet and it was, yeah, it would only hurt after breaks when I would sit and stand up again. Once I started hiking, it would go away. And then in towns, after I would sleep, I would wake up and it was really hard to walk. And and while hiking, it was really hard to walk in the beginning of the morning and then the pain would go away. Um, hmm. And now my, my feet, I still have a little bit of that residual feeling sometimes if I sit in not very good posture or whatever, I'll get up and I'll be like, oh, my feet hurt. But other than that, I, yeah. Yeah, no, I was, I was, and if I compare it to my through hike in 2012, the Mm. amount of pain I felt hiking 20 to 30 miles a day versus this year is like, it shocked me. I thought, I thought I would have so much, so much more pain, um, because I was ready for it. I was like, I remember Mm. what it felt like for my feet to be doing this every single day. And I did not, um, yeah, the amount of pain I had was very minimal. It was surprising. So the, the rest stops, the low mileage, I guess, really helped just to make that a lot so. more manageable. And, and that and definitely that, I think, mostly, but also wearing sandals and the cold water and snow. Oh, did you both wear sandals for most of it then? The whole way. Yeah. The whole way. Oh, wow. Okay. Was that something that you learned to do from the beginning or... How did that come about? Because most most hikers are sort of wearing ultras or something like that. So, I feel like me and Marquetta went through a long process. We wanted to become yeah. barefoot runners. We wanted to okay. barefoot hike, and then we went. I mean, Marquetta's worn sandals most of her um, most of her life. I really haven't. Um, but yeah, they just we got awesome sandals, and then it made no sense to wear shoes mm. in either of our minds for us as um, individuals. So. That's just kind of what we did, and mm. yeah, it just feels more natural, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's really I'm, nice, and the cold. I'm telling you, the cold creeks, and you get to walk just right through them, and all yeah. the pain just from walking through, not even standing in it for a long time. You all the pain goes away. It comes back. Really? Yeah. It goes away completely, and you feel like so good. And then walking yeah. through the snow, your feet freeze, and it hurts for a little bit. It burns and feels like you're getting stabbed and then they just mm. become kind of numb and then they warm up and then they just kind of stay that way and then it doesn't mm. hurt anymore and then mm. and then it's yeah it feels really good again uh, yeah it's really interesting that's, yeah that's fascinating i mean i'm uh, I've, I've, i won't go into it but i've looked a lot into i mean i i wear barefoot shoes almost entirely now oh, and you know that's fixed a bad back for me Pretty oh, nice. much. I, mean, I, actually, I actually get a bad back when I, uh, we went away to Disney a couple of months back, Florida, and I wore, made the mistake of not wearing barefoot shoes for two weeks, thinking the concrete, I'm going to need some padding. Big mistake. Came back, pulled my back out for the first time in three years. Oh, so I think there's a lot to be said about that, you know, wearing barefoot shoes. I think it's just how your feet are meant to, meant to go. But 
Um, I've never really looked into kind of wearing hiking sandals before. So I think uh, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, no, and a typical hiker uh, has to change shoes maybe like every 400 to 600 miles. Mm. And I have heard of people hiking the whole trail in one pair of these. Um, they're the really? Best. And I had I had mine for three or four years prior to, and mm. then I hiked eight or 900 miles before they broke. Really? Yeah. Was, they, wow, it's pretty good going. Last yeah. Really long. They're they're really the bedrock bedrock sandals and yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've seen. I've, I've seen. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Those are yeah. the ones we hiked in, and they're yeah. they're awesome. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you about social media. So I'm really glad that you both chose selfishly. I'm glad that you both chose to share your walk on social because first of all, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation if you hadn't it's definitely allows people like self and and me and the, what i do to kind of connect with like-minded people to you know share experiences with so it's an incredible tool but what kind of was the motive for you to actually share this on social in the first place rather than just sort of just to you know do it and take photos and just have them for the family album what did, was there like a message you wanted to share with social or mm. challenge perhaps perhaps misconceptions about what's possible with kids yeah there, there wasn't anything in particular that I had in mind but um I I just knew that I wanted to share it because yeah I had remembered what it felt like five years ago um mm. trying to find something and I I knew that you know someone out there would appreciate it um if not strangers than at least family yeah and, and i and selfishly for me it was like heck yeah marquetta's gonna do it so all my family can know what i'm doing <laughs> and i don't have yeah. to really reach out to them and yeah, try to yeah. juggle all the relationships <laughs> while i'm out Close, there. yeah, and we, yeah. <laughs> I, I i like instagram because it's it's uh it's i don't know for me it's uh it's like an easy format um hmm. and um just a really good place to share artistically, I guess, um, mm. and uh, creatively. And did the walk itself, one final question, I think, did the walk itself challenge any misconceptions that you both may have had about whether it was possible or perhaps even what you thought was possible for your kids to do? Or did you already kind of know before setting out that, yeah, our kids are going to smash this. It's going to be, no, know, no. Do it. Well, no? to be fair, in my mind, I was like, oh, we're going to Canada. Yeah. Like I didn't have any, any doubts. The doubt happened at the very beginning. And then I was like, mm. oh my gosh, we're not going to be able to do this at all. Um, mm. And we almost left within two days. And then after a week, shut it all the doubt again. And then it was like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, so it was weird because for me, I had it in my mind, like projecting it and visualizing it like we would all walk together and it was going to be great and awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, Whereas for me, it was we're going to we're going to go stand on the trail and <laughs> and we'll see how many <laughs> steps we take. Like, literally, that's what right. I was thinking. Um, yeah, because I I often take the kids hiking and, you know, they're not they're not like special kids. They're they're your classic like 
Hmm. You know, we live one mile from the store and um, every single time they cry and whine. And I just couldn't realize like, well, you know, if they they whine and cry walking to the store here, how are they, Hmm. how are we going to motivate them? And how are they, how are they going to motivate themselves to, to do, you know, 20 mile stretches between towns? I, I didn't believe Hmm. it at all. (laughs) 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 But they really challenged that for you and kind of showed you that they could do it. How did you keep them motivated then on a daily basis? Obviously, there's those stops, but are there any kind of tools and tactics you had or you learned along the way just to keep them moving, keep them moving? I mean, the, the games that we mentioned, you know, they're... Yeah, back to the games. That, that's, that's like a foolproof, in, yeah. in my opinion, with, with kids this age. Yeah, and, and talking about what you know about, I mean, the names of the plants, if you know any, hmm. letting them play with water asking them questions where do you think the water comes from you know like like just having them inquire into nature i guess and keeping them like grounded in what's happening around them and it's probably different you know like sequoia sequoia's like um sequoia's really easy in this sense because you you tell her you tell her stories and she'll be happy. Yeah, you can, geez, yeah. I don't know if she would ever be like, okay, I'm done. I don't want to hear any more stories. I've never mm. heard her say that. Um, <laughs> you know, it's always the adult being like, okay, we're done. No, like, no more yeah. stories. <laughs> um, Joshua's a little bit more tricky. He's, he's more like goes from one thing to another. Um, he's constantly like changing moods. And I, I would say I, I hiked mainly with him and that was uh, challenging, but also he's, it's really cool with him that he really likes being silent, which is like really odd for a three-year-old, but he like, yeah. we would often hike in silence and just hold mm. hands. And that was like, he'd be happy with that. Um, so it's, it's, it's individual. Um, I'm sure other kids would thrive on something else and yeah this this hike was just a really great way to get to know the kids um what they need and i don't i don't know if you read the post specifically about joshua that marquetta did um no i've not no yeah what was the post about it was just really she worded it really well because it it really did happen to where marquetta held joshua's hand for 500 miles how many miles yeah, for the desert, like 700. Yeah, and I was oh, wow. I was always hiking behind the sequoia, staring at this scene, and I was just like, there's no way we can continue doing this. There's no way. Mm-hmm. Like, Marquetta's half-turned with a baby on her back. Oh, yeah, we're you know. leaning like that, holding her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it was yeah. just like, this is not good. You know, like, <laughs> this is gonna this is going to make it so Marquetta doesn't want to hike anymore. I would always yeah. ask her, and she's like, no, it's totally fine. Um total Marquetta attitude but <laughs> she she wrote in the post about how he finally let go and yeah. Joshua's confidence rose from unable to hike more than like 10 minutes without holding one of our hands to mm. hiking the whole day without holding hands at all for for huge amounts of time and then maybe for like a minute and a half he'd want to hold my hand and so he was mostly with marquetta for the first section but after that he was with me and sequoia the rest of the time and we were mm. just hiking freely and it was it was just amazing to see him that's <clears throat> yeah that's a brilliant transformation yeah um did sequoia have a kind of any kind of similar experiences as well like that 
what how did she change on the trail what, what how does she grow on the on the trail she, kids don't need to change but how does she she's, grow she's uh she's she's an overly uh overall like a confident child um she she's always, always been always been like, ever since she could walk i've <clears throat> i feel like we've noticed that yeah we used to put her down and she would just keep going when she was a baby and it was yeah. like we had to go after her to get, bring her back to us mm-hmm. she was just that type of child but um i'd say she's she's definitely become like a leader of the pack of children which is yeah. a lot yeah yeah she will lead them off in the forest and instruct them on what yeah. they're playing what they're doing what to collect um and they listen to her and she has a lot of power in that. And so we're trying to explain to her that that power is um, important and needs to be used to, you know, direct her brothers in a, in a good way. Um, and she's also creative. Like she, yeah, she, she, she comes up with these games and, and is able to like entertain, especially Joshua, who, who doesn't seem to have that same, like, you know, where he goes out of his way to like, figure out how to spend his time he he hmm. uses Sequoia for that and yeah. she's yeah. An excellent, being with her an excellent older sister in the sense yeah of, yeah inspiring him yeah but she's also she's not perfect so everything we're saying she also has the opposite yeah. qualities you know so yeah. she still picks on her brother yells at him and pushes <laughs> him away and like i don't want yeah. you near me and you know the whole yeah. thing but but out on the trail i think they were a lot more close in the regards they were always together always playing they still had arguments but here now being back at home there seems to be the sequoia seems to be wanting more space to herself to do things which is interesting sorry you just crackled up there more so more of what sorry now you're back home sorry just broke up a little bit oh no it's fine um sequoia seems to want more space now that we're oh, home I see. to kind of oh, okay. do her own yeah which yeah. is interesting yeah. for some yeah do you find that she gets more space at home or more space on the trail to kind of do those things? Definitely. Do you actually do you find you all Definitely. get more space yeah. at home or more? Ah, sorry, no, missed the answer there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, yeah. Yeah. Definitely here at home. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. And what would you say to somebody who is listening to this where they've, listen to the podcast or they might have followed you on Instagram and they've sort of gone, you know what, I'd love to do something like that with my kids, but it, it just feels kind of far-fetched and scary. Um, and doing something like that with kids could even be just going on a weekend, you know, overnight backpacking with your kids. What would you say to somebody like to help them get started with that if that's what they would like to do? Um, I, I would honestly say put aside fear of the unknown and just go for it and let it be what it is, no matter what happens, whether you consider it good or bad, go with it and allow the experience to be the way it is and then come back and reflect on it and, and you'll get more perspective on it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, you know, it depends how much experience the adult has, how old the kid is um, and just kind of, uh, tuning into that for yourself and and not setting maybe too high of goals um, starting out smaller um, but also not having expectations like um, 
I like the idea of like, you know, choosing a trailhead where it's just beautiful and you, it really just doesn't matter how far you get, you know, yeah. maybe you'll, yeah. you'll get half a mile in, maybe you'll get 10 miles in and, you know, it doesn't matter though. And mm. you, you kind of set yourself up for success and yeah, you can, the more you do that, the, the more, um, the better you'll get at it. And, and and with kids these age, you know, it's it's so hard because they there will be whining and you will feel like, am I making a mistake being out here? Right. So it's yeah. really it's really important to to yeah, follow follow like what what the adult I would say. It's not you know, I I feel like it's generally known and accepted that nature is not a bad place to take kids so if if you know it's about the adult like is this is this activity making the adult happy and if it is then the adult you know needs to take that and um make it make it happen um because it's totally possible if you you know feel that's what that's how you want to spend your time and raise your kids i think that's beautiful and, and it's so much fun. Kids love it. Even if you get a half mile out and you, you get mm -hmm. to set up your tent and you get to make food and just hang out together and in the trees or wherever you are in grasslands. I don't know. Um, yeah. It's fun. It's, it's just really nice, especially with kids. They, they love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. All right. So we'll finish there. Thank you for joining me. So if anybody would like to learn more about your walk, where can they find you? Uh, definitely just Instagram. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not a social media person. Um, yeah. So Marquetta's Instagram, <laughs> yeah. essentially. Yeah. And I, I don't know how much I'll be, I'll be um, putting on there now that we're home, but um, there will be a, for sure more adventures. So I do plan yeah. to like, come back to it I, i'm not sure i'm i'm yeah. also not so great with social media but when i have a reason yeah. to post i i do so you put something on there yeah it's, yeah fantastic and there's a you know a bunch of amazing posts on there with really interesting descriptions and inspiring photos so i've, I've enjoyed looking through it that's for sure really really yeah, jumped out at me and i thought i need to get these guys on the pod so <laughs> thank you guys so much for for joining me it's been a pleasure to talk to you yeah you too yeah thank you all right Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Yeah, bye. That is a wrap for this week. Thank you again for choosing to listen to the Distance Hiker podcast. I'm your host, Matthew. It has been a pleasure to have your ears on the show tonight and have your attention, whatever you've been doing while listening to the show. Thank you. So just before I go, I just wanted to do the usual housekeeping. If you've enjoyed the show, then give us a review on Apple or subscribe on Spotify. It just tells those platforms that the show is worth listening to. And in return, they help us reach a wider audience. And a wider audience is important because the more people that listen to the show are people who get inspired and excited to go out and do more walking and they're happier people for it just like you are just like i am when i'm doing this show and talking to the people who are on this show and the guests on this show long distance walking ultimately makes you feel great so the more people we can get out long distance walking the better 
If you want to support the show in a slightly different way, the store, the show now has an Etsy store. If you go to distancehiker.com, click on the shop icon at the top, you will be able to see the Etsy store and browse around at your leisure. I'll be adding more products over the coming months, so I hope you enjoy what you see on there. And it's a great way to support the show and the running costs of the podcast. But that is it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you again in a fortnight. <laughs>